Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Who am I? Hello again, this is Ed Waken with Valley Life Church, a network of house churches in Phoenix, Arizona. Today I want to talk to you about another crucial concept of church as I see it. I want to talk about the idea that church needs to be multiplying communicators, not listeners. If you will, this is kind of missiology 101, that the church should be living on mission. I want to start by reading Psalm 139 verses 1 through 12 to give kind of the flavor of God being a God who is with us at all times, wherever we go, as we're on his mission. O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. And if I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. We can never get away from God's presence or his knowledge of us. He knows us intimately. He desires for us to have a close, intimate relationship with him. A relationship that's full of time recognized as being spent together with him. Times where deep movings of God are experienced. And these experiences can happen in times whether we're alone with him or in a community of saints. But when God's heart is experienced... His purpose is breathed into our nostrils and brings life to our souls. And when God's purpose is realized, it is our privilege to carry out his purposes in strong ways. So wherever we go in life, God is with us. It has always been God's purpose since creation and even before for him to draw women and men into relationship with him. Part of that relationship is to capture God's heart for adventure and mission. He wants to instill that in us, that we will want to be adventurous for him in having relationship with him and carrying out his purpose of drawing men and women to himself. Many people understand a deepening relationship with God to be often engaged in individual time with him and in an experiential relationship of worshiping, which involves music, often in large crowds of worshipers, led by gifted people. And that, of course, is part of our relationship with God, and I really like that part of our relationship. We can read in the scriptures of that aspect of relationship with God when we see things like the angels around the throne of God worshiping him and the elders bowing down and worshiping him with great music and sound. Or in isolation, we can see Daniel praying in the upper room three times a day, and which ends up getting him in trouble. But worshiping God alone or with music Crowds of worshipers and gifted people are not the only way to experience a relationship with them.
But for many, worship has been reduced to worship services where music is played and gifted leaders lead them into a experiential expression of knowing God. Many have forgotten that God is with us everywhere we go, and that he is a God of mission. He is a God of adventure and rich experiences that can be apart from music crowds of worshipers and gifted leaders. So in, in this podcast and the next, I want to discuss with you a crucial concept of church regarding worshiping God to the fullest. The crucial concept of church is to equip believers to be worshiping God while on mission for him, accomplishing his purpose to draw women and men into relationship himself, where the church is seen as multiplying communicators, not multiplying listeners, where the church is missional, not merely attractive or attractional. For too many believers, their faith revolves around meetings, worshiping experiences with music and sermons, and has less to do with understanding that God has placed them on mission throughout their life, 24-7, 365. And that will bring him more and more glory. It'll possibly bring him more glory than simply sitting or standing and singing with our hands lifted in the air. I think we need both. We must learn that we can worship God with our hands stretched vertically in surrender and uh, exaltation of our God, or we can worship God with our hands stretched horizontally to touch the lives of other people. While Christians often make good churchgoers and worshipers, sometimes we make lousy neighbors and co-workers, and this is something that needs to be addressed and changed. But let me be clear, I am not talking against a normal understanding of worship with song and in meetings with gifted leaders. I love that form of worship. But it should never be the sole intentional expression of worship in our lives, or even thought of as the main worship experience. I hope that we would prefer to worship God 24-7 as we eat, as we shower, work, play, and relax, as well as when we're on mission. I'm trying to draw our attention to the fact that God wants us to learn that his heart is adventurous, missional, full of creativity in how it is lived out. And missional people will take the rule and the reign of God into the world that Christ has put them in. So with those introductory thoughts and ideas, I want to spend a few moments sharing with you a biblical foundation of God's missional heart throughout scriptures. I'm going to intentionally share a lot of scripture. I'm going to read most of it to you. And I'm going to have some comments. But I want you to see that God has always been about sending out his children on mission. Once that foundation is laid, then next time we'll, we'll be ready to have some questions and conversations about how that can be lived out. So let's start by looking at uh, Missiology 101 about how the church is and God has always been about uh, multiplying communicators instead of multiplying listeners and begin in the Old Testament. In Genesis 1.28, Scripture says this, that God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue and rule over every living thing that moves on the earth. So from the very beginning, one of God's first commandments, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He wants there to be reproduction. He's talking here of physical reproduction, obviously, and most people enjoy obeying this commandment that God has given to them, and they find themselves being very successful at it. But it's been God's heart throughout Scripture, as it is here physically, it continues on throughout all of Scripture. Well, God repeats that kind of missional perspective to uh, 
fill the earth in Genesis 9-1. After the, the flood had destroyed the earth because mankind had become very wicked, the ark settled and the water uh, subsided and Noah came out of the ark and God tells Noah after the flood to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Here again we see God telling the eight living beings on earth that they are to be fruitful and multiply and fill it. Again, God is missional, sending people out. A couple of chapters later, in Genesis 11, we find that uh, Noah really did a good job of obeying God. He was fruitful, he multiplied, he filled the earth. He did a very excellent job. And we find the story of Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. And the people were of one language, and instead of filling the earth, they decided to build a skyscraper to reach God, to reach heaven. And God was not pleased with this because they were not obeying him. They were actually working against him. So the Lord, the scripture says, the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth. God wants his people to be on mission. He wants his people to fill the earth. And he's going to do whatever it takes to have that happen, even if it means confounding their languages and forcing them to fill the earth. This is what God wants to see happen, and this is what he did. It's, what we can learn from this is it's really easy and natural, it seems, for man to want to congregate in one area instead of moving out. But God will help us to move out to be on mission. In Genesis 12, the very next chapter, we see God speaking to Abram. And he says, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Here we find Abram, the father of the Jewish people, being told by God that he is not to stay put, but to go on mission, to go on an adventure. Abram didn't know where he was going. He was just following what God was showing him. He moved out, obeyed God, and was blessed. Again, showing that God has always been about sending people out on mission to fill the earth. In Exodus chapter 3 through 6, we won't read the passage, but the story is about Moses being told by God to go to Pharaoh and to ask Pharaoh to let my people go. The Jewish people were in captivity uh, in Egypt, and God wanted his people to be free to go and find the promised land and to conquer it and to fill the earth and to really bring his presence to be made known on earth. And Pharaoh uh, was told by Moses eventually after much conversation between Moses and God to let my people go. And in fact, you know the story that they were let go in uh, a very unique way. But God wants his people free to roam, to be adventurous and missional for his glory. Numbers chapter 13, 1 and 2. Now they're in the promised land, and Moses is about ready to enter it. And God says this to Moses in Numbers 13, 1 and 2. The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. So God tells Moses, Send out these spies to the promised land that God wants to give them. God wants us to be adventurous and to see the new things he has in store for us, but we have to be on the move to be able to see it. God desires to bless us as we move out, as we expand his good news to all who will listen. He knows that as we move out, some will see giants who are to be feared, while others will see giants that need to be slain. In this case, most of the, the, the spies came back saying, there are giants in the land and they're too big for us. We shouldn't go. 
but two said, oh yeah, God will take care of it. Let's go do it. The moral is for me is that the Lord wants us to move out and slay the giants of the land. He wants us to take ground for his kingdom and his glory. And he sends us on mission to do it. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, 1 through 9, we see that God says that he wants to give to Joshua, quote, wherever your foot set, you will, will be the land on which I have given you. From the Negev wilderness to the south of Lebanon, mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon you. But God instructs Joshua to go on mission, be adventurous, and everywhere the sole of your foot go, goes, that you will get that land. God will give it to him. All he had to do was to keep going, keep gaining ground. Here we see the heart of God for his people. He waits for us to move out and give us the ground that we sow upon for his glory. But we have to move out and we have to sow. Joshua could have had it all, but he stopped short of believing God's word. He didn't take as much land as he could have. He trusted in his fear instead of God's promises. So let's not stop believing that God continues to send us out to, to make more souls, to take more souls for his glory. In Isaiah chapter 6, we see a great picture of Isaiah before the throne of God, worshiping in the train of God's robe fills the temple with his glory and there are seraphim there that are have six wings and they're flying around and they're calling out to each other holy 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 is the lord god almighty the whole earth is filled with his glory and as isaiah has that encounter with god he hears god ask a question in verse 8 whom shall i send as a messenger to this people who will go for us God is a God of mission. Even in the presence of worshiping him, in the very his very presence with angels and seeing the glory of God there, God says, I'm a missional God. Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. God wants us to be on mission. Isaiah answers by saying, here I am, send me. And I pray that you and I will answer in the same way. But we could look at Jeremiah chapter 1, 1 through 12, where we see Jeremiah as a young lad, uh, thinking that he really can't be a prophet for God to the nations. But God says, no, you can. I will put my words in your mouth. Don't say I'm a youth. You can read it for yourself. But God is constantly sending out people into battle to be on his mission to bring him glory by seeing people come into the kingdom of God. The last verse I want to talk to you about is found in Jeremiah 29, 4-14 in the Old Testament. Here we find that Israel has been very disobedient and God has allowed Babylon to come and take them into exile back to Babylonia. And while they're there, God says, I really love the Gentiles as well. In fact, he tells Israel to remain in Babylon for a period of time, to grow, to not decrease, and to bless while they are in exile. That is their mission. So wherever God has us, he wants us to bring people along into a relationship with him. That is his purpose, to draw women and men into relationship with him. Mission, adventure, and risk are also found by just being where you are, are dropped in to the world. Where, wherever it is, whatever neighborhood it is, God wants you to be drawing people 
to his throne to worship him by being on mission themselves. So let's be missional, adventurous, and outgoing right there in the city that you live in. From the New Testament, there are several passages that really speak to the missional heart of God, that he sends us out on mission from the very beginning, that he wants to multiply communicators, not simply listeners. Matthew chapter 419, in one of the first times we see Jesus invite people to follow him, he says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Jesus said that if you want to be my follower, I'm going to make you be a fisher of people's souls. He informs them of this immediately, that you're going to be on mission, fishing for men. Fishing is an active, alert, intentional thing that requires your focus. He gives his followers missional identity from the very start. In Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And just before that, he says, well, who do men say that I am? So who you think Jesus is is very important. And what kind of shepherd is he to send sheep into the midst of wolves? Jesus promises that he will send us into dangerous areas of the world. That we'll be sent out like sheep in the midst of a voracious wolves. And that shepherd is one that goes with us. The only shepherd that would send us out into that pack of wolves would be one that goes with us to protect us. So Jesus goes with us as we embark on the mission and adventure that he calls us to. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here we learn that the church is Jesus's and that he will build it and he expects her to be doing battle against the gates of hell. Gates, as we all know, are not offensive weapons. They're defensive weapons. So that implies that the church is to be on the offense, missional, adventurous. Jesus expects us to be in close proximity to the gates of hell, to its hatred and its dangers. He wants us to be on mission, trying to draw people into his kingdom. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he goes on to say, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations, and I'm going to be with you always. Jesus expects his followers to always be going to people, to helping them become true, strong followers of Jesus Christ, to be doing that lifelong. In Mark chapter 3, 13 and 14, Jesus called to spend all night in prayer, and then he called the 12 to himself that he wanted to choose to be his disciples, his apostles. And it says he called them to himself that he might be with them, and that he might send them out to preach. So here we see a mixture, a balance of God saying, Jesus saying, come to me. I'm going to want to be with you and pour into you and have you worship me and learn from me. But also I'm sending you out simultaneously to those who I want to impact with truth around them. There's a coming and a going, but there's always the going. And too many people leave that out. God wants us to be missional. He wants us to be multiplying communicators, not simply listeners. In Mark 5, 1 through 20, we see a great example of this from the life of Jesus as he travels over to this, the area of the Gerasenes. And here we see he encounters a man who has been demonized for his whole life virtually. This man is emotionally scarred, mentally scarred, spiritually scarred, relationally scarred, financially scarred. He is in the worst shape possible full and racked of sin he cut himself he couldn't have chains couldn't keep him uh, he was out of control and he meets jesus and jesus cast the demons out of him 
and he gets restored to his right mind. Well, when the demons were cast out of him, they were thrown into a, a herd of pigs. And the pigs then were now had the demons inside of them and they went and ran off a cliff and died. Well, this ruined the whole economy of that region. These people were very, very angry that Jesus had come and messed up everything for them. And this man, though, was very grateful that Jesus came and restored him. So the crowd was commanding Jesus to get out of here. We don't want you here. Leave. You've already caused enough problems. So Jesus gets in the boat to uh, take off. And this guy who was demonized and now is not tries to get in the boat with him. He says, I want to come with you. I want. Why would I not want to be with you? I mean, you just saved everything about me. I'm going with you. Jesus turned to him and said, no, I don't want you to go with me. I want you to stay here where these people are angry. And I want you to go back and tell them just two things. What I've done for you and how I had mercy on you. That's it. And if you read Mark chapter 7, a couple chapters later, you'll find out that Jesus revisits this area. And now instead of saying, get out of here, they want him to stay longer. Because this one man, this garrison demoniac, this no-named guy, had such a huge impact on the 10 cities that are around that area. Because Jesus sent him a mission from the moment he had come to know Christ. John 15, 18, excuse me, John 15, 8 says, By this is my Father glorified, that you go and bear fruit. Now, fruit can take many shapes. It can be the fruit of the Spirit, it can be obedience, other things, but it also includes the fruit of sowing seeds of truth in non-believers, which we call evangelism, or sowing seeds of truth in believers, which we call discipleship. The Father is glorified by our activity for his kingdom. When we love others by being on mission and adventurous, God is glorified. So if you're not sure if your life is bringing glory to God, you can cause it to be glorifying God by bearing fruit of all kinds, by being on mission to be transformed, by being on mission to make disciples, by being on mission to share Christ with people that have never heard of him yet, by being on mission, by loving people with your talents, with your treasures, with your time. John 17, 15 through 18, Jesus in his high priestly prayer prays these words, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So Jesus says, look, Father, I know I'm leaving and these guys are staying, but I don't want you to take them out of the world. I don't want you to separate them and make them isolated. I don't ask you to take them out of the world. I expect them to be in the world. Remember, they're going to the gates of hell. I expect them to be heavily involved in the lives of people, loving them and sharing truth with them. But Father, I do ask that you keep them from the evil one, that you do protect them while they're out in the danger zone. While they're in the heat of battle, Jesus asked the Father to protect them. And he does so. But we need to be out in the battle in order to experience God's protection. Otherwise, it's just theory. We need to live the adventure. In John 20, 20 and 21, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Here we find out that just as Jesus was sent out to preach repentance and the good news, to cast out demons and to heal the sick, etc. Just as he did that, he sends you and I out to be on mission with his good news and his good ways. And we need to follow that by getting out into the world and loving them and showing them the rule and the reign of Christ 
through our actions, our deeds, and our words. As we get out of the Gospels and move to Acts chapter 1-8, most of you are familiar with the passage. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So God immediately says, look, you're going to get the power, the ability to do this, to make disciples, to be my witnesses everywhere you go. I'm going to make sure that you are 100% successful 100% of the time. He wants you to be a verbal and visual witness everywhere we go and with everyone we come in contact with. He gives us the power of the Spirit to do it. Now, when we have the power of the Spirit and we act in it, is it possible to not be effective? No. We have the God of, of all power living in us. We will be effective when we step out and live the adventure, but we must step out. This group of believers, full of the Spirit at times and seeing many miracles and wonderful things happening, needed a swift kick in the apostolic mission. Because we find in the first seven chapters of the book of Acts, they didn't obey what God said. Well, they did, partly. They obeyed him in Jerusalem, but not Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So in Acts chapter 8, God caused there to be persecution. And the church was scattered. Now the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but everybody else, the ordinary people, so to speak, were scattered and did great work for the kingdom of God. What I learned from this is that God is a God of mission. He doesn't want us to stay. He wants us to go. He wants us to always be looking to take new ground for the king and his kingdom. And we see this repeated in Acts chapter 8, 36 through 38, where Philip goes to see, uh, finds himself with the Ethiopian eunuch. And we learn from the story that God actually does trust people to be alone and on mission and to be successful. Because he goes and he speaks to the Ethiopian eunuch, and all of a sudden after he speaks and the Ethiopian eunuch understands and gets baptized, he's gone. He disappears. And the Ethiopian eunuch continues on. And we know from church history that great things happen in Ethiopia, in part, maybe mostly, by this guy. One man who was sent on mission by Christ to go to his country when he only knew very little. But God wants us to be on mission. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ, for the kingdom of God, in this foreign land that we call Earth. And ambassadors, as ambassadors, we have great opportunity to share the love, the hope, the peace, the reign, and the rule of God to our neighborhoods, soccer teams, workplaces, financial districts, educational districts, the political sectors, the business sectors, and so forth and so on. And with the title ambassador, you're expected to be a spokesperson with your actions and your words for your homeland, which is the kingdom of God. Again, God wants us to be on mission. That's why he calls us ambassadors. The last uh, passage that I'm going to share with you is 1 Thessalonians 1, 5-10. And I want you to read it on your own. But this is simply a great example of a church full of common people doing an amazing job of being on mission and adventure. Because Paul said, look, I don't need to go out and say anything in this region because you've already done it. God is always on mission. He always wants to take his love and message to people and invite them to join him. It's always been that way with the Father. And so I want you to chew on that and consider that God is a God of mission. He's a God of multiplying communicators, not listeners. And if we understand that from the biblical foundation, 
then we'll start looking at church a little bit differently. Next time, I want us to start looking at it a little bit differently and have a whole different set of questions to start asking as we think about missiology one-on-one, that the church should be multiplying communicators, not listeners. If you'd like to contact me with questions or comments or concerns, my email address is edwaken at cox.net, edwaken at cox.net. The website for our church is Valley Life Church, one word, valleylifechurch.org or valleylifechurch.com. Hope you have a great time, great day, and I'll talk to you soon. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are.